0: Welcome to Lab Life with the Air Force Research Laboratory.
1: Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Kenneth. Hello, folks. Today we are joined by Dan Berrigan and Lauren Ferguson to discuss digital transformation, our Google Pilot initiative, and to figure out the punchline to why a chemist and mathematician would walk into a bar. In three, two, one...
2: Dr. Lauren Ferguson, Dr. Dan Berrigan, welcome to the podcast.
0: Well, thanks Great. for having us, Michelle.
2: Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you, Dan. I know you've already been here. Lauren, you're a familiar face to our team, but the first time on the podcast. And I've been uh, hyped up, ready to record this episode. And But there's been one thing I have really struggled with, and it's I have this opening line for a joke for the podcast, which is like a mathematician and a chemist walk into a bar because you guys are the mathematician and the chemist, but I can't finish the joke. And we're not even going to talk about math or chemistry here today, but we'll see if we can finish it by by the end of the episode. So first, I would like our listeners to get to know you a little bit better, Lauren. What do you do within the lab and how did you end up here?
3: Yeah. So right now I am working um, digital transformation efforts within Rx. So we're looking at providing digital tools, data, getting people to have the newest state-of-the-art things that they can have access to to do their job to do it more effectively. So we're also looking at things like automation, and then we're also looking at the efforts that that AFRL has across all the directorates on some of their digital transformation efforts. So that's kind of a quick snapshot of the, the basic things that I do. How did I end up here? Well, I started out doing research on fracture mechanics modeling, but really saw a need for some of these digital processes, some improvements that that I could help provide. So that's I kind of worked my way into the area. And then Rx actually decided about a year and a half ago to stand up a dedicated person in the area of digital transformation. And it was really along a lot of the same time frame as the AFRL digital transformation, the digital war room effort that they have going on.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you, you sit within our materials and manufacturing or RX directorate. But, you know, even though you're solving problems sitting from one unit, you're you're really looking at the whole enterprise. How can we do things things better? And Dan, I know you've spent your AFRL career within materials and manufacturing as well, doing maybe a lot of different things. But what, what's your background for our listeners?
0: Sure. So actually, you know, I joke that I'm a chemist, but that's because it's so much easier to explain than material science, which is my uh, actual degree, nobody ever asked follow-up questions with chemists, the, the material science. It's always like, well, what is that? Um, my background is actually was funded by an AFOSR grant at Georgia Tech. And then afterwards, after interning here, really appreciated the culture, their creativity, the people. I felt like I was working with really brilliant colleagues and, and decided to come, come up here as a contractor and later a civilian, uh, right after grad school. And they've been keeping me busy ever since
2: so my next question i'm going to ask for every cynical office and lab worker out there you know if we literally put into a search engine we put in common buzzwords the 11th one is digital transformation which you guys say is part of your part of your job it's really your whole job right now so is digital transformation just a buzzword for the air force or are you guys actually doing stuff
0: So can I say my whole career so far has been buzzwords? Because before this, I did additive manufacturing. So like, I feel like that's what makes me really well equipped to handle this next buzzword. Yes, it's a buzzword, but I think where we are coming from, I don't want to say it's an excuse, but I'm going to. It's an excuse to tackle some of the biggest challenges the lab has had historically to date. For example, how do we collaborate effectively with our external partners in an ecosystem where there are so many, so many smart people in academia, industry, small businesses, these things that are spin out companies from academic institutions, starting up a cyber, right? I mean, these are things that just, the, the days of the Manhattan Project, where we're all cloistered in a building somewhere off in the, in the desert. are 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 gone in a lot of ways. There are so many PhDs and brilliant people out there. We need to figure out how to be integrated with that ecosystem and be able to move at the pace or faster than that ecosystem. And, you know, that's a big part of what the digital transformation means to me. And then the other piece, when I say it's an excuse to do certain things that we've needed to do, in my opinion, for a long time, which is understand where, as a research lab, We, uh, I think it's a way to define the areas in which we need to lead and need to be separate in our own way, in a unique way from the big Air Force and embrace our uniqueness as a research institution and, and the goals and objectives that come along with that. And then where we take and leverage the big Air Force and big DOD and I think this is driving some of those really, really important decisions that may have been tabled previously. That's just my perspective.
3: Yeah. I'll just second everything that you just said. I think that's a a great explanation of specifically the broad picture of why this is so critical that we have to be leading in these areas. The world is moving very quickly. New tools are being developed all the time. And if we're not ahead of those things, then we'll continue to be behind. But going back to Michelle's question on, what does that mean for an average researcher? And by average, I mean, obviously above average, but but somebody that's sitting there in the lab and saying, what does this mean for me? What we're trying to do is try to help you as a researcher to do the things that you need to do without having to worry about administrivia. So trying to eliminate some of that toil that you have to do, eliminate some of the red tape, make the ability to do things faster, and really have your time be more productive and more focused on doing the fun things, doing the research, making those connections with other people is really important. So kind of reducing silos where you can't access data even internally to other people. So really trying to eliminate some of those barriers that we're currently facing with, that, with our research capabilities and just the access to both tools, data, Science, other people that are experts, basically having all the researchers be able to have that access, have it immediately know where to go, know who to talk to, have it at their fingertips so that they can really focus on those research efforts instead of some of the other stuff that we have to focus on just because that's the nature of the beast.
1: Something I'd like to boil down that you mentioned, Lauren, is this idea of toil that you brought up. So, Dan, uh, pretty recently you've brought up interesting information surrounding toil and how it kind of affects AFRL or even the Air Force as a whole. Could you dive into that?
0: I would characterize this as some back of the envelope math, right? The fact that when you look at it, you know, we have, if we have 13,000 employees, on-site contractors and, and civilian military here at AFRL, if you just look at that and multiply it by 40, you get somewhere in the neighborhood of half a million hours in a week that we have our employees at our disposal, our employees to go work, Air Force research, science and technology problems. And it, it doesn't take much effort to go look on LinkedIn and find all sorts of stories and anecdotes of it taking 10 minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes for a computer to boot up or a program to load or six months to go get a piece of software approved or more or never. And so that adds up, right? That eats into that budget of 500,000 or so hours in a work week. And if you just said, You know, hey, it takes me 10 minutes every day. I'm sitting there waiting for X or Y or the pinwheel to go, right? Every day. So if you do that math on the back of the envelope, that's about 270 or 250 or so full time equivalent hours that are just gone. That is not time on target anymore. And and to me, what go faster or faster research means is us being able to. You have some of the most brilliant minds in the Air Force working your problem. Don't you want as much time on target as possible to go achieve technical innovation, get things into the hands of our airmen and guardians and all that? And so one last point I want to make, too, is a lot of digital transformation, I think, often gets layered into business processes. And Lauren's and I's focus is really on the science and technologist. And what are our specific toil elements? Because again, we only have so many scientists and engineers and so many hours in the day that they can dedicate to a, to a challenge problem or a long-term challenge that the Air Force is facing. And we need to work it now and, and quicker. So that back of the envelope math really informs the urgency behind where Lauren and I are coming from. And the desire to collaborate externally, because it's not just how many hours you spend on target, but it's how many people. If you can bump up that thirteen thousand number by an order of magnitude, now what? You know, we've now accommodated so many more eyeballs and brains on our problems, and so, and that doesn't have to mean money. It can. Ju- it just means influence and and again collaboration, and that that's some of the power that I think AFRL needs to be able to unleash to be successful
1: for us. Let's talk about that toil and that time on target. So I want to see how we actually transition to making that a big difference for AFRL. We brought this up a little earlier, and that was the Google pilot initiative. So starting with Lauren, I'm interested. How is, well, what is this initiative exactly? And how is it starting to address some of these concerns?
3: So this was an initiative that started at NRX um, kind of the, the at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, and really kicked off when COVID happened. Because <laughs> a lot of people said, hey, I want that. I can't communicate. We don't have some other methods. And so they they heard about it, what we had been doing through the grapevine, and um, and we kind of brought it out to all of AFRL to say, here, here's a tool that you can use. So one of the big things that we really used it for at that time was just the collaboration ability of the whole suite of tools. So it's got all the normal things you would expect in a collaboration tool. It's got email, it's got chat, calendar, meet, so that you can have uh, virtual telecons, live streams, all of that kind of stuff. So that was really a lot of places where things started, but there's some other tools that we've used that have really been advantageous to us. So things like Uh, Some of the third-party apps, so they have like a collaboratory environment where you can collaborate on Python files that we didn't have the capability to do before. Um, If you write anything in LaTeX, you can write, um, do that in a collaborative um, way through our systems. And then beyond that, if you want to be able to open it up to any kinds of code or things that you might want to collaborate on, we now have the ability to do that through the Google Cloud Platform. So the advantage to uh, our user base is that they not only have the standard documentation tools but now they have access to the entire cloud platform where you can build all kinds of different things where you can look at, you can build web apps, you can do things with big data and machine learning Um, and the nice thing about that is we can do all of that with our external partners on the same platform. So that has just been a huge thing because what we've really run into in the past is even if you have somebody that's a contractor that's under contract with you, um, they might have their own database and things where they're storing data. And so they might, you might have access to that while, you're, uh, while the contract is ongoing, but at the end of the contract, that data is on their system. And unless they got it to you, which if they did, it's mostly like, likely on a hard drive or somewhere that's inaccessible, um, that data is lost or at least it's very hard to find and to actually reuse. So looking more towards the cloud computing environment, we can have all of that stuff on our systems where we have access to it. It's immediately shareable to other people in our, in our domains. We can share it externally and in, ex- internally, really reducing those, uh, those silos between data. And it's just been an awesome um, experience to collaborate with our external users that we just were not able to do before.
2: Lauren, you keyed on the word collaborate and, you know, our general says that we have to collaborate to innovate and this is really what you're doing. And then you also outlined some very specific things like, oh, collaborating in Python language. You know, these are these are uh, solutions that you and Dan and the wider digital transformation team within AFRL are trying to do specifically for our alpha nerds, as General Pringle likes to call all of you, you know, these, these folks that are not just needing to work in, documents or things like that. You need a collaborative workspace that could include code and massive, massive amounts of data for cloud com- computing and things like that. So this is different because it's solutions for our scientists and engineers and, and professionals within the lab who have different unique problems than uh,
3: those outside of the lab. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been really a game changer um, because we just it has been difficult sometimes to get some of these tools as dan mentioned sometimes getting software and things approved can be a challenge and especially having different people on different systems and different networks um the ability to go to the google cloud platform where everybody's on the same network and the same system we can they can all jointly share the same software it's just a makes a huge difference to our ability to collaborate with our external partners
1: and, and
0: if i could highlight something too that the, the ecosystem that the, the lego bricks that are coming into place slowly but surely um is so as the as an experimentalist at heart right um you know we we generate it's not we don't just live in models and code it's it's okay i went and i and i made a, some i did some experiment i collected data on a piece of equipment i characterized it on a piece of equipment on on site but i generated all this experimental uh insight uh and data and, and such and uh, historically it's been challenged incredibly difficult to, again, you know, connect it to an, a, a world-renowned expert in an academic institution that we might be funding and working directly with, um, so that we can get their insight on our problem right and And one of the awesome things that uh, Lauren has really driven forward is that ability to get that information automatically off of, uh, one, you know, a set of our lab equipment here in Rx with the idea of scaling it beyond just one uh, set of lab equipment. But that then opens up connectivity to what she just described is the cloud, both computing and storage options. Where, oh, well, now I can s- turn on a computer with a bunch of graphics cards and start turning on that data faster as opposed to being limited to the hardware that I happen to have on my desk that day. Right. So it's just this. Agility to grab the resources you need and put the the, the resources where it's needed, uh, almost, you know, instant, almost instantly, and and that is tremendously transformational from a both an experimentalist and a, a computational scientist perspective.
1: And a part of that agility I want to like dive into real quick is a lot of people have heard the term, but I want to kind of help demystify it. it's this idea of the cloud. So when you guys mention this, is are these servers actually hosted at AFRL? Are these Google hosted servers? Or are we talking like a cool data cloud that's stored above our heads? So just to make sure, I want to people are all on the same page here. I've
0: never seen it literally, Ken. So I'll just assume it's it's like you know sitting next to somebody with a harp or something in a cloud, but um. Yeah, so they are. It's server racks in a data center in Columbus or a data center in Virginia, um, but designed for, you know, um, again that uh, the idea behind it is really to nerd out a little bit. It's separating when we think of a computer, right? Your computational part of the brain of the computer, the storage, and your and your internet are all in one box, right? In a cloud environment, the kind of the innovation in it is all of those three things are separate and can be manipulated separately. So my storage, my hard drive is completely separate from the brains of the computer and they're completely separate from the connection. So like if I want to turn on a network and connect it to the one thing or the other, I can do that and then turn it off. Um, I can crank up the computational power. Uh, no longer do I, do I run, think about like, okay, well, my hardware cost is fixed, right? I got this one laptop, and if and if when I hit run on the code and it says it takes three weeks to run, well, that then go get a cup of coffee because it's going to take three weeks, right? Um, I can tell if I'm willing to pay for it, I can tell it to be done in 10 minutes because it'll spin up a whole bunch of server racks to bring the computational power required to bear to go do it. It's almost like a democratization of the high performance computing center that we have on site. So it's kind of that with with commercial grade interfaces, to make it easier to interact with it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I I just want to make sure we had that described for folks. Because again, many folks hear the idea of the cloud, the great innovation and how efficient it is, but many people don't know what it is.
0: Or an exa- I'll give you an example. So, like sure. uh, one more example, if I may. Like when we think of tabular information, right? You think Excel spreadsheet, right? Excel might be able to handle what I don't know, ten thousand rows of information, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Let's say before your computer crashes. Now, what do you do when you have ten million rows? What do you do when you have you know what do you have a hundred million rows? Like a when we think about um kind of these you know machine learning kind of challenge questions and problems right you need that level of information in order to start looking for patterns and looking for you know having the code look for uh relationships that maybe aren't obvious or intuitive and so they're not going to do that with an excel spreadsheet um and that's the other piece that i think the cloud is for commercial reasons, right? It's architected for these kinds of problems, but also by proxy, like we can take advantage of that too um, for our research. And I think um it's it's something where again, and I think also to point out the transformation part, uh, you know, as Lauren and I have gone on this journey, like um there are lots of skills and and um different uh yeah, skill set and knowledge bases that our workforce and folks are going to need going forward, or at least to be aware of going forward in order to take full advantage of the capability and and be creative in this space. Um, And so um, we need their help too, to be curious and be willing to try these different things and don't let the command line scare the heck out of you. You can get past that, push through it, bash through it. Eh? Yeah?
2: Yeah, I mean, most certainly you guys have had to uh, bash through a bunch of tape and processes and forms on forms. They probably dream about them at night and things like that. But one thing at AFRL, we always have to take risk and push through, fail fast. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey um, in, in this process and, and some of the the key maybe milestones that you've had to work through?
0: Sure. I mean, I uh, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that, Michelle, is really, um, and and almost circling back, I hope this gives people hope that this this time is different uh, in the sense that, you know, with our pilot effort, uh, AFRL RC really leaned forward in giving us an authority to test and giving us room to and try and, and put these tools in the hands of people and see what they do with it and learn from um observation and and experience and that's not typical right for our organization it's more prove to me prove to me and then maybe and possibly and and then no and that's not what happened in our our example uh and so you know i think i I hope we're able to repeat it i hope it's not a flash of hand i hope that that culture gets ingrained of let's do some um Fast experimentation, and that's a lot of the culture of the that the war digital war room is trying to instill. Is let's do some fast experimentation, let's learn, learn fast, break things, learn from it again, and and deploy what makes sense. Um, and so, and so, I, I guess I hope that provides that kind of uh, uh, kindling <laughs> of hope that that. We have we have a chance to 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 again, you know, lean in and take some take some risk, Because I know, Lauren, you you thought about this too.
3: Yeah, I think that's it's uh, one of the things that's really helped us in that endeavor is just having people who are willing to speak out and say, "Yes, I need this tool. I give you my full support in going forth and and making it happen," um, and that includes the top leadership, like General Pringle has been behind us and 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 saying, "Yes, we need this." um so i think i i agree with dan i i really want this to be part of our culture change because as a research organization that is critical to being able to do research well um i mean research doesn't always go the way you expect you have to be able to pivot and do what works and so if we don't have the ability to do that that really puts us behind so anything that we can do to make that easier and that's why we're trying to break down some of the red tape trying to change some of the processes. I mean, some of, some of the issues that we faced is really because the technology has changed so rapidly that a lot of the processes that were in place really make sense for more uh, obsolete systems that we don't have to worry about anymore. So really having people that are willing to look to see what's on the horizon, see what new things are coming and, and make sure that we're prepared to, to try those things out. And that the thing that's not holding us back or the thing that could be holding us back is not the bureaucracy it should be that should be the least of our worries (laughs) so trying to do everything we can to to get that to be not part of the problem and and i i personally
2: think it was exciting that you had leadership and directors like mr hankey that's the director of research collaboration and computing you know sign on the line hey Dan and Lauren, you guys can go try this with uh, different levels of secure information and, and go out and do that. I'm, I'm, the risk is worth the potential payoff. And that's an important part of our culture that if you have an idea and if you're a mathematician or a chemist and you this needs to happen, uh, our organization has uh, empowered you to go and do And then we have all thousands of other people that are adopting this new technology to see if it does work for them so that they can collaborate to innovate better.
0: A hundred percent. Right. And it it comes back to maybe cliche. Right. But like, you know, um, you got to wear a seatbelt and maybe put a helmet on. But at some point, I think I I get I, I. I like this. I think it was a Mario Andretti quote of, "If you don't feel like you're about to lose control, you're not going fast enough." And that's that's the strategy in the world we live in right now, and we have to adapt and and learn to be uncomfortable <laughs> in a consistent consistently, because <laughs> that's kind of you know. But know that we got the helmet and the seatbelt on, so if we hit the wall, we're we're likely going to survive. <laughs> but. um but we just have to work that way um as a research lab we, we just we owe it to the air force to work that way
2: and honestly the lab has a long history of just literally strapping people to rocket sleds so this this tracks and we even helped invent some of those seat belts so
1: we're <laughs> in right? good hands
2: <laughs> <laughs> but hey you guys have spent a, a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of thought rolling out some of your digital transformation efforts and you've just reached a sort of pivotal milestone um, with with your pilot. Could you explain to us what uh, just happened recently?
0: Sure. So, I mean, a lot of the credit goes to the Google team that is supporting the federal or the DOD cloud side, which is that they uh, uh, were awarded a provisional uh, authority to operate uh, the Google Workspace, such Gmail and all the thing, all the capabilities Lauren talked about um, at using Impact Level Four data, and so what? Why that's important is that it allows us to go to our approving official, Mister Hankey, and say, "Hey, look, not only are we put in these controls and we put in these automated kind of constraints and are put our seatbelt on and helmet on, but you know DISA has said." Google has done that too, right? Because they're a partner in this, right? We're using their cloud, we're using their services. They need to be vetted as well, and so DISA gave them the Defense Information Systems um, um, Agency gave them approval, and so that takes the ri- a lot of the risk off of the back of AFRL, right? It gives us a a partner saying, hey, a thir- you know, somebody else said this is okay so in the bureaucratic ecosystem that's incredibly valuable to ensuring that you get to you get to stay around <laughs> um and so so yeah it's a huge milestone and it enables us to dunk the ball on the the platform that we've we've
1: uh, stood up
2: well congratulations that's awesome
1: so congratulations guys <laughs> So uh, taking that the next step, then, like speaking of the horizon, great wins and milestones, is there anything you're able and willing to share about updates coming to the Google platform here that you guys are working on or things you're excited to implement soon?
3: Absolutely. We've got tons of things coming down the pike. So one of the things that users have been really asking for is how can I get some of these cool add-ons that I see out in the, in the marketplace for Google? There's all these different things that I can use to make my experience better. Uh, We've been looking at what we can do for those. Um, We have to go through the whole security process. So we've been looking to see uh, what kind of things we can do, how we can make that uh, a smooth process. But in the meantime, one of the things we can do is if we have source code, we can actually build those tools ourselves, host them ourselves, and guarantee that they're not doing anything weird or unsecure. And so one of the things we've been working on is um, the, one of the add-ons that we've been working on is one that will allow you to do code snippets and um, syntax highlighting within your documents. So we've been bu- building that out. We expect that one to come out soon. Another thing is really enabling some self-service on the dashboard, on the workspace. So we've been building a, a dashboard where you can actually come in and do some self-service. So these will be things like updating your profile information, as well as accessing all of your kind of owned or managed drives and groups so that you know, right now you can go and see all your drives and groups that you are in, but that's all of them, not just the ones that you manage. So it'll be showing you exactly the ones you manage and be able to ma- manipulate those. Also, uh, as we've been talking about, we have external partners that are academia. We also have some DoD partners that are maybe not in, in the Air Force, but they're throughout the DoD. And so all of those people can get accounts with, the, with the, an AFRL person as their sponsor. So one of the challenges is as a sponsor, it's very hard right now to see who all the people are that you have sponsored. So that will be another thing that will be on this dashboard is you'll be able to see all of your sponsored users at a glance and be able to update their access add and extend accounts and things like that. So we're kind of looking for a nice comprehensive way of, of doing all that. Um, The other thing to point out is that Google is always developing new tools (laughs) and Dan has got us um, like on every new beta that comes out, (laughs) gets us on there as fast as possible. So we're always investigating how to do different things. Like um, we recently got tables a while back that has some ability to do Kanban boards and workflows and things like that.
1: So thank you, Lauren. Very appreciated to find out what's coming up and what to look forward to. Uh, so over to you, Dan, I don't know if you have anything to add. I mean, if we're talking about the full scope of everything here, there's a multitude of networks to work across uh, from, you know, Nipper to DREN to a lot of stuff here internally. So anything on those fronts you want to talk about? Yeah,
0: I would say I would encourage folks to give so we have typically when somebody joins the research lab we give them a computer that hooks up to the air force network or afnet right and that is the big air force ecosystem of microsoft teams and you know, outlook the the obvious applications we think of um a lot of you know the these applications that Lauren and I and and, and others are developing as part of this digital war room effort for AFRL is going to uh, be adopted or pushed and available to DREN users first. And that's largely because on the Defense Research Engineering Network, DREN, AFRL is able to approve and get they, they are the decide a lot of the deciding authority and factors. And so that allows us to move faster. And so, um, uh, um, and lean forward. And so we're going to embrace that and, and push out this capability as fast as possible. And it will likely land there first before we can get it through the machinations of the broader air force to have it available on, on broader networks. And so. I would encourage folks, if they don't use DRAN or have never brushed it aside as just for scientists and engineers, a lot of capability has expanded to that network uh, uh, in recent months or a year um, in terms of encrypted Outlook email, in terms of Microsoft Microsoft Teams working, and OneDrive, and all this stuff that you're used to using every day works now on there that didn't historically. And so I encourage folks to give it another look because uh, not just if you're a scientist engineer, but also if you're in contracting, finance, whatever,
1: So as we begin to round out here, I'm curious, we've learned a lot about the Google pilot, your guys past, exciting stuff, networks are working on the cloud, a whole bunch of stuff going on. But that leads me to believe when it comes to, I mean, digital transformation and connecting to that, the Google pilot, there's got to be a few misconceptions you may want to air out. Like Google's just, you know, email, Gmail or whatever it is. We know that's not the case. So Lauren, I want to go over to you. What are some of these misconceptions you'd like to demystify now?
3: So I think the one that you just mentioned is probably the biggest one, is, is why do I need this? It's just basically email, right? Um, so you already heard me talk about all the cool stuff that's available. Um, I think one of the other things is that um, people might think, this is not something that my team needs. And that might be because your team is still just doing everything over email. <laughs> and so I do think one of the one of the things that would really benefit, whether you use Google or or Microsoft really, is really a change in our working patterns Um, instead of sending everything on email where um, if you have new users come in, they have seen every, they don't know what's going on in the past because they haven't been forwarded the whole email chain Um, or they're not, uh, you know, they're not seeing things in chat. So they're just staying out of the know. And even people that are in the know, it's kind of like, if you forgot to leave some, you forgot to add somebody on an email, they're the, you've now lost them in, the, in that chain of communi- in that communication chain. So really a lot of it is just changing the way that we work to have a whole collaboration suite that you can interact with your colleagues in a way that is a, a lot easier to keep track of, a lot easier to understand the history of a project, um, having that all in one central location, not having a million copies of the same file that are slightly different versions. So you know, being able to see version history is is uh, really helpful. Actually, again, both platforms have that. And then really, um, a lot of the tools that are that are coming down for for being able to automate some of your processes. So really Google and Microsoft both have those capabilities. Um, obviously, Dan and I have been talking more about the Google side because that's the side we're most familiar with. It's the side we like to play around in, but Microsoft does have some tools that are available to us on the Power Apps and things like that. So what I would just encourage everyone is if you haven't checked this out because you think there's not much in it for me, I would encourage you to talk with your team and and see maybe there are some things that, that would really benefit your team if they all came together and started using it.
1: So we want to thank you both for joining us today, for having this awesome and very enlightening conversation. It has been truly awesome.
3: Yeah, and Ken,
2: I didn't even solve my joke at the beginning. I still don't know why the chemists and mathematicians walked into the bar, but uh, (laughs) I've I've learned a lot from Dan and Lauren, and thanks for joining
3: us. (laughs) i was going to say, Michelle, on that one, you could say something about experts colliding, right? (laughs) Like electrons colliding or something.
0: (laughs) They walked into the bar because they're still waiting for their email to open up. (laughs) Oh, there it is. I think that's it. I I think that's it.
2: We're out. We're out, Ken.
1: Yeah, cut. Make sure to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube at AF Research Lab. And remember, stay curious.
0: Logging off.